Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for Food and Stuff. My name is Gretchen Miller. Today we're going to start off with some appetizers. First one for a wild mushroom pate from Smitten Kitchen. Every spring I promise I'm going to share a recipe for chopped liver, and every year I lose steam. Perhaps because there are probably few more divisive foods than organs, or maybe because my instructions on the matter are quite short. Just make inna gardens. Inna can do no wrong, and I like to amuse myself by imagining that I'm only eight best-selling cookbooks and three homes in two countries away from basically being her when I grow up. Oh, sure, Deb. Okay. But I like this year's distraction the most, which came from me wondering what a vegetarian chopped liver might entail. The first thing I would need to do is lose the word liver, so not to scare away children of any age. Second, I hoped it would embrace rather humble ingredients like mushrooms that when cooked down to concentrated nubs, pack an unexpectedly fragrant and earthy complexity. And finally, although there are recipes for wild mushroom pate from one end of the web to the other, I was hoping it would have a Jewish or Eastern European vibe, reminiscent of the promised chopped liver, rich, ample browned onions making use of hard-boiled eggs, and served on matzo crackers, likely with pickles. Now I realize that most of us probably do not have a pate-shaped hole in our lives. Most of us do not have champagne and Melba toast happy hours on the rag. This isn't Heather's, but when you move pate past its usual residence in an appetizer's course, I find a jar of this in the fridge to be a surprisingly useful and flavorful condiment. Last night, we tossed it with some pasta, its cooking water, and pecorino for a deeply flavorful dinner, along with an arugula salad and steamed broccoli for you-know-who. Today, it's going to reinvent itself as a sandwich spread, maybe with sliced hard-boiled eggs or just lettuce and goat cheese. I could imagine stirring it into a simple risotto at the end, folding it into a breakfast crepe, or dolloping it on white three-cheese pizza right before baking. And, while if all goes well, you're basically going to end up with a home cook's dread, a mound of brown food, I couldn't help but notice that there's something decidedly spring-like about it. It looks like, well, potted dirt, with some hopeful sprigs of weeds, tufts of yellow mimosas, pinkish rings of pickled shallot. I'll take it. Wild mushroom pate. Here's the recipe. I used a mix of mostly cremony, which are baby bella or brown mushrooms, plus oyster and chanterelle. Use whatever mushrooms you can find that you like the flavor of, or feel free to use just brown mushrooms. You'll still get a lot of flavor. This is a flexible recipe. You'll probably be just fine if you don't have any dried porcini or sep, although I do love the extra oomph of flavor here. If you need to skip the alcohol, the pochini stock alone should give you enough flavor that you might not miss it terribly. But of course, we like this best as written below. This yields two cups of pate. You'll need one ounce of dried porcini or sep mushrooms, one cup of boiling water, one quarter cup of olive oil, three tablespoons of butter divided, one and a half cups of diced yellow onion or a combination of chopped onions and shallots. I used one cup onion and one half cup of shallots. Coarse salt and freshly ground black pepper to taste. One and a half pounds of mixed fresh mushrooms 
any tough stems discarded and roughly chopped, one teaspoon of fresh thyme leaves, use half if dry, and one quarter cup of Madeira, Marsala, or Sherry, or one half cup of white wine. To serve, crackers or matzah, sieve the hard-boiled egg, chopped flat-leaf parsley and or chives, small pickles or cornichons, additional caramelized onions or pickled shallots or red onions. There's a recipe below. You're going to combine the dried mushrooms and the boiling water in a small bowl and let soak for 30 minutes. Remove the mushrooms and then finely chop and set aside. Strain the soaking liquid through a paper towel or coffee filter to remove any grit and set it aside. Heat the olive oil and two tablespoons of butter over medium-high heat. Add onions and shallots if using and cook for seven to eight minutes until they brown at the edges. Raise heat to high and add fresh mushrooms, thyme, salt, and pepper. Cook, sauteing, until mushrooms brown further and release their liquid. Cook until all the liquid has evaporated, then add Madeira, Marsala, Sherry, or wine and do the same. Add rehydrated mushrooms and their soaking liquid and cook this almost completely off. No liquid should run into the center if you drag your spoon through the mushrooms, clearing a path. Adjust seasonings to taste. Seasoning is everything here. And then stir in the last tablespoon of butter. Let the mixture cool to lukewarm, then blend in a food processor or a blender until desired consistency. I like mine almost but not completely smooth, although pate is traditionally very smooth. Let chill in the fridge for a few hours before serving and then giving the, the flavors a chance to settle. The pate keeps in the fridge for five days in an airtight container. Serve with crackers and garnishes of your choice. To make an egg mimosa, peel a fully cooked hard-boiled egg. I like to cut mine into quarters and press each quarter yolk side down through a fresh, fine mesh sieve until the flecks of egg fall decoratively on top. To pickle the red onions or shallots, you're going to combine one quarter cup of red wine vinegar, one quarter cup of cold water, one tablespoon of kosher salt, and one tablespoon of granulated sugar in a jar. Add thinly sliced onion or shallot and cover with a lid and let pickle in the fridge, ideally for at least an hour. Pickled onions will keep for two weeks in the fridge. We're going to have another appetizer today. This one from goop.com for spinach and artichoke dip, one of my favorites, with crudite and sourdough. This is a veggie forward version of the party dip. Seriously, two pounds of spinach over a cup of parsley and three cups of artichokes. You can make this ahead and wait until the last minute to pop it in the oven just before serving. Here's a tip for this. You can toss any leftovers with noodles for an easy pasta salad. So you're going to need, um, this serves 10 to 12, and you'll need two pounds of spinach, three cups of marinated artichoke hearts, quartered, two and a half cups of whole milk Greek yogurt, three cups of feta, crumbled, plus nine thin slices for topping, and then one and a half cups of roughly chopped parsley, one quarter cup of olive oil, plus more for greasing, two tablespoons of za'atar, plus more for garnish, one tablespoon of onion powder, two teaspoons of cayenne, salt and freshly ground pepper to taste, grilled bread for serving, and crudités also for serving. 
First, you're going to heat your oven to 400 degrees Fahrenheit, and then in a large pot of boiling salted water, blanch the spinach for two minutes, working in batches. Shock the spinach in an ice bath until cooled, then strain and wring out the extra moisture with a towel. Roughly chop the spinach. In a large bowl, you're going to mix the spinach with the artichoke hearts, yogurt, crumbled feta, parsley, oil, za'atar, onion powder, and cayenne. Season the mixture with salt and pepper and transfer to a greased 8 by 8 inch baking dish and uh, shingle the thinly sliced feta on top and garnish with za'atar. You're going to bake until bubbly, 25 to 30 minutes. Let cool for 5 minutes and serve hot with grilled bread and crudités on the side. For our next recipe, I love dressing, also known as Thanksgiving dressing or stuffing, but this one is pomegranate dressing, and this sounded particularly good since I also love pomegranates. This one from realsimple.com. Whether you call it Thanksgiving dressing or stuffing, this delicious and fruity recipe has a few shortcuts up its sleeve. Prep time, 25 minutes. Cook time, 50 minutes, 5-0. Cool time, 10 minutes. Total time, an hour and 25 minutes, and it serves 8. We love a good shortcut on Thanksgiving. It means less stress and more time mingling with loved ones. With this stuffing recipe, you can skip chopping veggies, thanks to store-bought, pre-chopped, I don't know how to pronounce the word, <laughs> Meyerpois, M-I-R-E-P-O-I-X. Plus, you won't need to toast any bread, thanks to packaged bread cubes. And finally, juicy pomegranate areoles and dried fruit infuse this dressing with a sweet, savory flavor without adding complexity. Whiffs of sage, thyme, and garlic will have everyone scooping it up in seconds. The ingredients are one half cup, which is one stick of unsalted butter, 14 ounces of pre-chopped, M-I-R-E-P-O-I-X, about three cups, one teaspoon of kosher salt, one quarter teaspoon of freshly ground black pepper, two tablespoons of chopped sage leaves, three cloves of garlic, minced, that's about one tablespoon, one and a half teaspoons of dried thyme, one and a half, or excuse me, one 12 ounce package of unseasoned breadcrumbs for stuffing, such as Pepperidge Farm, two and a half cups of vegetable broth, four large eggs, one cup of dried apricots, chopped, that's about six ounces, one cup of pomegranate arils, it's about six ounces, one half cup of pine nuts, about two and three quarters ounces, cooking spray, pomegranate molasses for topping, this is optional, and one quarter cup of fresh mint. Here are the directions. First, you're going to preheat your oven to 350 degrees Fahrenheit with the rack in the top third of the oven. Then you're going to melt butter in a large skillet over medium. Add M-I-R-E-P-O-I-X, salt, and pepper. Cook, stirring often until softened, about eight minutes. Add sage, garlic, and thyme. Cook, stirring occasionally until fragrant, about one minute. Transfer to a large bowl. Add breadcrumbs to the bowl and stir well. You're going to whisk the broth and eggs in large measuring cup and stir into the bread mixture. Fold in apricots pomegranate areoles, and pine nuts. 
Next, you're going to transfer the mixture to a 13 by 9 inch baking dish coated with cooking spray. Cover and bake for 20 minutes. Uncover and bake until the gold, golden on top and set in the center. That'll be about 25 to 30 minutes. Let cool for 10 minutes and then drizzle with the pomegranate molasses if desired and sprinkle with mint before serving. Sounds really unique and really yummy. Next, we're going to have a recipe for tangy braised chickpeas. This one from smittenkitchen.com. One of my most core cooking beliefs cemented over 15 vegetarian years that ended shortly before this site began is that most, or at minimum, half of what we think we like about eating meat has absolutely nothing to do with meat, but the way it's prepared, from the salt pepper char on a steak to the layers of flavors in a long braise. It's this logic that led me to mushroom bourguignon and pate, which we had the recipe earlier, and even pizza beans, where the beans take the place of meat and pasta in a ziti-like dish. And it's what's led me to drop my jaw at the brilliance of Molly Ye's 2018 brisket braised chickpeas, a brisket-free vegan dish that uses the flavors you'd put in your favorite brisket braise, but with chickpeas and vegetables. My sister had recently gone vegan, and the timing was perfect for our New Year meal. But brisket preferences are highly personal, so I make it with my favorite braise, adapted from Maya's Sweet and Sour High Holiday Brisket in the Smitten Kitchen Cookbook. It uses tomato paste for body and a couple glugs of vinegar for a deeply tangy sauce. I reverse engineered from the uh, version with my mother-in-law makes, which I described in the book as using a bottle of none of your business, <laughs> a few spoonfuls of also not going to tell you, and a packet of so many questions today. How is my beautiful grandson? I keep the big carrot coins used in the book's recipe, but add meaty slices of portobello mushrooms for a hearty, cozy stew. I thought I'd get ahead this year for the first time ever and make it a week early and freeze it, but we can't stop eating it, sometimes even cold from the fridge. Fortunately, it starts with two cans of already cooked beans, which cook until extra tender, but they don't fall apart, and vegetables you can buy almost anywhere, so it won't be much of a hurdle to make more. Here's the recipe, tangy braised chickpeas with carrots and mushrooms. This serves four to six. It takes two hours. Source, Smitten Kitchen, but inspired by Molly Ye. Note, soy sauce can contain gluten. Check the label if you need this recipe to be gluten-free. Worcestershire sauce is not vegetarian. It contains anchovies. So you'll need for this recipe four tablespoons of olive oil, one medium onion, thinly sliced, four garlic cloves, very thinly sliced, two large thick carrots, 12 ounces in one quarter inch slices, kosher salt, freshly ground black pepper, one quarter teaspoon of red pepper flakes, six ounces or two large portobello mushrooms in generous one half inch slices, four tablespoons of tomato paste, one and a half tablespoons of dark brown sugar, three to four cups of mushroom or vegetable stock, and one third cup of red wine vinegar or sherry vinegar, two teaspoons of Worcestershire or soy sauce, and two 15-ounce cans of chickpeas drained and rinsed, and one bay leaf.
Heat your oven to 350 degrees. If you have a Dutch oven or brazier that can go from stove to oven, start uh, this on the stove, start in this on the stove. And if not, start with a wide, deep saute pan and transfer the mixture to a three quart or nine by 13 inch casserole or baking dish for the oven part. Heat four tablespoons of olive oil over medium heat and add onion. Cook for three minutes until softened. Add garlic and cook two minutes more. Add the carrots, one teaspoon salt, freshly ground black pepper and red pepper flakes and cook for two more minutes until they begin to glisten. Add the mushrooms and cook for four minutes until they begin to soften. And then add tomato paste and brown sugar and then cooked until well incorporated three minutes. Then add three cups of stock, vinegar, Worcestershire or soy sauce, chickpeas and bay leaf and bring it to a simmer with another teaspoon of kosher salt and more ground pepper. Once simmering, either cover tightly with a lid or pour into your baking dish and cover with a lid or tightly with foil and transfer to the oven. Braise the chickpeas and vegetables for 90 minutes, checking at the one hour mark to make sure that the chickpeas haven't absorbed all of the broth and adding the remaining one cup of broth if they have. Remove from the oven, discard the bay leaf and adjust seasonings to taste. As far as doing ahead, braised chickpeas will keep in the fridge for four days and for a month or longer in the freezer. You can reheat it at 350 degrees. Now we're gonna have that recipe for the mushroom bourguignon that was mentioned. That sounded really good too. It's a mushroom day today. When it's as cruelly cold out as it has been this week, beef bourguignon is one of my favorite things. If there's anything better than a symphony of onions, carrots, red wine, broth, and a scoop of tomato paste simmered for hours, I haven't met it. I don't want to meet it. I already know my favorite. Julia Child's recipe was always my mother's go-to dish for a company, and back in the day, the smell of it braising in the oven was enough to get me to reconsider my vegetarianism. I cheated more than once, ladling, ladling the braised broth over egg noodles and never felt that I was missing a thing. In fact, I always argued that most of the things people thought they liked about meat, they actually liked about the sauces and braises and spices they were cooked in, as mentioned earlier, which is why I've been dreaming up a vegetable-based bourguignon for ages. But I finally figured out how I wanted to do it. And on Monday night, just in time, it's a freaking icicle out there, I used the same approach, sauteed onions and carrots, tomato paste, thyme, broth, and wine, but swapped out the beef with meaty slices of mushrooms. I didn't spare any of the fixings. It was finished with a thickening butter and pearl onions, and we ate it over egg noodles. It was heavenly, warm, and comforting, and I dare say the best antidote to this shivering January when this article was written. Well, the best antidote to that is not a Caribbean island, though I guess that goes without saying. Cupcakes. I have the tiniest of articles in the February issue of Martha Stewart Living about cupcakes for every occasion. It was really fun to see behind the scenes process at the magazine. I watched them work on the cupcakes in the test kitchen, and I got to see the photographer shooting the cupcakes and even had a sample of each to bring home and ponder while I wrote my blurbs. Tough life, though. After one bite, each of about 10 of them, I was ready to swear off cupcakes forever. But alas, it didn't last. Check it out.
So here we go with the recipe, mushroom bourguignon. The best part about this, well, besides all of it, if I can humbly say, is that it's a bourguignon without the heft of beef, but all of the indulgence. Plus, since you didn't need to braise it in the oven for three hours, it can be a weekday night dinner, and you can serve it to vegetarians, and nobody will miss a thing. This serves four. You'll need two tablespoons of olive oil, two tablespoons of butter, softened, two pounds of portobello mushrooms in one quarter inch slices. Save the stems for another use. You can use criminy instead as well. One half of a carrot, finely diced, one small yellow onion, finely diced, two cloves of garlic, minced, one cup of full-bodied red wine, two cups of beef or vegetable broth. Beef broth is traditional, but vegetable to make it vegetarian, it works with either. Two tablespoons of tomato paste, one teaspoon of fresh thyme leaves, one, quarter, one half teaspoon dried, uh, one and a half tablespoon of all-purpose flour, one cup of pearl onions peeled, thawed if frozen, and egg noodles for serving, sour cream and chopped chives, or parsley for garnish. This is optional. Just to clarify on the fresh thyme leaves, you'll either use one teaspoon of fresh or one half teaspoon dried. You're going to heat the one tablespoon of the olive oil and the one tablespoon of butter in a medium Dutch oven or a heavy saucepan over high heat. Sear the mushrooms until they begin to darken, but not yet release any liquid, about three or four minutes. Then remove them from the pan. Lower the flame to medium and add the second tablespoon of olive oil and toss the carrots, onion, thyme, and a few good pinches of salt and several grinds of black pepper into the pan and cook for 10 minutes, stirring occasionally until the onions are lightly brown. Add the garlic and cook for just one more minute. Add the wine to the pot, scraping any stuck bits off the bottom, and then turn the heat all the way up and reduce it by half. Stir in the tomato paste and the broth. Add back the mushrooms with any juices that have collected, and once the liquid has boiled, reduce the temperature so it simmers for 20 minutes or until the mushrooms are very tender. Add the pearl onions and simmer for five minutes more. Combine the remaining butter and the flour with a fork until combined and stir it into the stew. Then lower the heat and simmer for 10 more minutes. If the sauce is too thin, boil it down to reduce it to the right consistency and then season to taste. To serve, spoon the stew over a bowl of egg noodles and dollop with sour cream and sprinkle with chimes, chives or parsley. Thank you for joining us for Food and Stuff. My name is Gretchen Miller. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.